0: Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's Word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Brad continues in his sermon series called Psalms of Summer as he speaks on Psalm 46 and Psalm 91 about trusting God in uncertain times. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time is now
1: good morning impact church how is everybody doing today all right we're gonna dive right in and uh go into uh our psalm for today psalm 46 we've been going through a psalms of summer series because i guess it's still summer as long as it's 90 degrees we can call it summer right Even though it's September, I don't know. But anyway, so Psalms of summer, we probably have at least one more week in this sermon series before we move on. Uh, But today is Psalms 46, and I'm going to be honest with you, I've got a message for you specifically today that I am not worthy to preach. I'm not worthy to preach any of them. Let's just get that straight first and foremost. But in this message today, I still am learning and struggling and growing just as much as I think you'll all find you are as well, all right? So as I preach today, I preach to myself, and I've already been spoken to by the Lord as I've studied all week and had my toes stepped on uh, tremendously. So I hope that he moves in your heart just like he's moved in mine this week through this message, because what we're going to talk about today, the title is God's Sovereignty, Trusting God in Uncertain Times, and I think that title just explained why we're all in a learning phase in that trusting God in uncertain times we're not gonna be able to do that unless we trust and know and recognize his sovereignty And we're gonna talk about what that means and I want to open this up for us with an illustration that if you've been here for an amount of years you've probably heard me use this illustration before but I thought it was very appropriate to point us in this direction today to get us going and that's this story about a little boy and his dad, who were out in the yard one day throwing ball, and the little boy looks up in the sky and he says, Daddy, what's that? And there was this little dot moving across the sky with this little smoke string coming behind it. And of course, those of us, we know that's a plane, right? But the little boy couldn't even see, couldn't make out what it was. He just saw something. It was moving. There was, there was this dust behind it, so to speak, this cloud of smoke. He's like, Daddy, what's that? And he says, that's an airplane. He says, wow, that's really small. How do you fit in that? And Dad said, oh, son, you don't understand. And the little boy just kind of perplexed and confused, and the dad said, let me take you to the airport, and let me show you what an airplane is. So they get in the car, and they drive down to the, to the airport, and they get as close as they can to the runway. And one of the planes kind of comes taxiing down really close to the fence. And the dad points and says, son, this is an airplane. And the little kid's like, what? What, I can't, he said, this is an airplane. What, you mean that's the same thing was in the sky? Yes. He says, but daddy, it, it's so big. But Daddy, it's so loud. It's like I can't hear anything else when this is near It's so big. It's like everything else around is small and I feel so small And when the dad got back in the car with his son, he said son He says that's how God is to us You see Your view of God or how big or how small God is in your life depends on how close you are to him. Because if you're far away, he seems really small, like he's not important, and he can't do anything. But if you're this close and you walk with him and you know him, then nothing else, nothing else matters. Nothing else seems big anymore You can't hear all the noise and the chatter of the world because all you hear is Him So I ask you today What is your view of God? How close are you to him? Does he seem really really small right now with the things you face in life where everything else is so much bigger than him? Are you so close to God that no matter what you're going through right now, everything else seems really small? You see, we're gonna look at God's sovereignty today because we know that life is a roller coaster. There's good times, there's bad, there's bitter times, there's sweet, it's up and down, and and we try to fight and make sense of it all. And what we're gonna see is how we view God will determine whether or not we're able to cope in some of life's most uncertain in difficult times so what's your view of God it'll make the difference in how you face life if we, don't under, if we don't understand completely this sovereignty that we're gonna talk about today of God then you and I will never be able to make sense of life and what happens to us or even what happens around us if we don't get it lose our mind trying to make sense of everything so here's your home run ball to take home I'm gonna give it to you at the front and then we're gonna get the meat of everything you ready for it here's your home run ball to take home put on your on your on your dresser right put in your car write it on your forehead this is what you want to know your view of God will determine your view of life or your view of life will determine your view of God which will it be for you let me pray for us before we dive in dear Lord we love you father we thank you for Jesus Lord the reason why we're here father because he gave his life so that we could live Lord, we thank you for your word for your word is truth your word is life And, Lord, I know your word never returns void. Lord, we're going to dive into your word and seek your guidance, your understanding today. So, Lord, I pray through your spirit, through your word, that you will do what only you can do. And that's change hearts and lives, Father. Lord, don't let anybody hear me. Let them hear you. So, Father, right now, I pray that you would soften our hearts open our minds break down our pride remove our fear our anxiety our lack of control and give everything over to you right now whatever we're facing Lord we want to be moved by your spirit today so that nobody here can leave and say I don't want to be different. Lord, we all want to be different. We all struggle with this right here that we're talking about in some fashion. It's hard to trust you when we can't see what's ahead. Lord, it's hard. Help us, Father, in our unbelief. Strengthen us, Lord, through your word today and through your spirit that we could go make an impact for you. You get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you have a copy of God's Word turn with me to Psalms chapter 46 we're gonna read through this passage here today we're gonna expositionally go through it quickly to exegete the text so we can learn something from it but then we're gonna do something that I love to do because I love God's Word and that's put handles on it Man, that's one thing just to learn God's Word and learn context and to exegete a text and really gain some knowledge. It's another thing when you can apply it. When you say, I've got some handles to this now. Well, that's what we're going to do today because we're going to apply a story from God's Word that kind of looks at this sovereignty of God that Psalms 46 tells us about. So let's read this text first in Psalms chapter 46. Read with me. It says, God is our refuge and strength. I've heard that a bunch in Psalms this summer. A very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear. Even though the earth be moved, removed. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though its waters roar and be troubled. Though the mountains shake with its swelling There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Now, there's a lot in there. And we're going to quickly go through it. But overwhelmingly, what you see in this passage is God's sovereignty. That he's over everything. He's over you and I. He's over his people. He's over his creation the waters the nations He's over everything What do we have to worry about But oh how you and I love to worry What's the definition of sovereignty if you look it up and google it basically you get this definition it means supreme authority in other words there may be some other authority but this one's the supreme one. You know, we had that message not too long ago about the Lord issues us some keys, right? Some keys to the kingdom, but he holds the master key. He is sovereign. He is the one and only supreme authority over everything. So what that means is God is in absolute control. He is the absolute ruler and he is in control over all creation. What does that mean? That means nothing that happens ever is without he being in control. I want you to think about that for a minute. Cuz there's two ways now that God can be in control and sovereign over circumstances. Through direct causation, meaning that's my will, this is my wrath, this is my hand. I'm going to make this happen because I want this to happen. I'm sovereign. There's another way that God's sovereign, because God doesn't do evil. God doesn't do bad, all right? So God can allow things through conscience allowance, basically because of sin, all right? So because sin entered mankind, we know that there was a consequence for sin when sin entered man, and there was pain that entered the earth, right? So now through his conscience allowance, there are things that are allowed to happen that may not be what he would have done himself through his own heart or his own will because he's good but he allows it and he's still sovereign over it you have to get you have to catch that so in other words nothing just happens in this world or in your life or in anything by luck or by chance or fate or how about this one karma Nothing happens without going through the fingertips of God. There's no such thing as anything that just happens randomly outside of his sovereignty. There's a whole message in that by itself, probably even a whole sermon series, so I won't hang there very long. But I will point you to Ephesians 1.11, that inside of that text and in the context, we don't have time to dive into but. He makes this statement, Paul does to the church at Ephesus, says, God works all things after the counsel of his own will. That's it. Everything goes through God. So inside of this concept of sovereignty and looking at this passage as we get ready to to go through it, there's a governing principle here over life. And that's with God at the center, God at the top, God over everything, God over you, God's will over your will, God's plan over your plan, God's design over your in my circumstances, regardless of what they are, and we need to trust him. As this Psalm says that he is our refuge, he's our strength, that he's our our provider. We're gonna look at all this, that he has our best in mind, that he has a plan no matter what we go through. So this governing principle is if we're looking at God's sovereignty, means we go to him first we look at him first no matter what we face in other words we don't appeal to our feelings first Mm. how many times do we make decisions based on our feelings we don't appeal to our friends first Mm. we don't appeal to the opinion of the majority first or the direction and the lifestyles of the culture first. We look to God first. God is our reference point. So we don't go even to our perceptions of what's going on around us first because your and my perceptions of things can be deceived. Can we just admit that? That what we think things look like and what we think things are going on and what we think is happening can be really wrong Because there is a a punk called Satan who is a master deceiver And he's good at what he does and he's trying to fool you and me into believing a lie because he's the father of lies Our perception isn't always accurate We have to look to God as our reference point. And we all know if you've ever tried to look at where you're going on a map or something. Say you're going on a trip, you know you're gonna be at one place and you want to do activities. You're gonna do activities and plan activities around what? That one reference point. You don't want to go to the Texas Roadhouse that's four cities away. You want to go to the one that's in closest proximity to where you're at, right? Let's say you're out in the ocean And it's really foggy or stormy there's something called a lighthouse what is the purpose of a lighthouse it's a point of reference to get you home to get you out of safety to bring you out of the storm God is that reference point so let's look at verse 1 right here specifically he says right here off the bat that God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble doesn't take a theologian to figure that one out, does it? God alone is our refuge, our shelter, our strength. That's our power. When we're weak, He's strong. And it doesn't say God plus something else or God plus someone else. God alone. Not God plus my money. Not God plus my portfolio. Not God plus my relationships. Not God plus my fame. Not God plus my looks. Him alone is your refuge and your strength. That's it. Verse 2 keeps going. Pretty clear. Therefore, we will not fear. Boy, that's easier said than done, isn't it? I mean, when you're facing the uncertain times and trials in life and things that you just have no control over with your health, with your family, with things going on at your job, with things going on in the world, and you have uttermost no control. It's easy to get fearful, anxious, worrisome. But the Bible here clearly tells us because He's our refuge, because He's our strength, because He's our present help in trouble, don't fear. But I'm going to tell you right now, that is about humanly impossible not to fear. It is. Because we're in our flesh. And fear is a natural emotion when things get tough, scary, uncertain, it is. But here's what courage is, all right? Courage is somebody that may have fear, that may have some doubt or uncertainty, but steps out anyway. Is that you? You know, maybe we we, we have that, that normal human emotion, but the Bible here is, is to not let that control you and to keep you from moving forward in faith. Because faith is... Stepping out before you know how it's going to turn out and knowing that with every step of the way, everything's going to be okay. That's hard. And I struggle with that sometimes. Do you? But there's our our clear picture of God's sovereignty. And if we trust him, we won't fear. If he is our refuge, our strength, our help, there is no logical reason to really fear and to be paralyzed in fear. And to look for other sources of help or refuge or strength. There's the picture. When you're fearful, look to Him. Fall on your knees and and, and crawl under that refuge of God Almighty. Because then here it is it says, even in the biggest of crises, it says, though the the earth be removed. Oh, come on, man. I don't know what you and I are, are, are facing today, right? That's like, right up in, our, right up in our, our, our grill, okay? I don't know what it is. That seems like it's all that matters. How about if the earth was removed? Would it matter anymore? I would say that's probably about the worst thing that could happen to you, isn't it? I mean, nothing else matters if the, if the old ball goes down. Even if the earth gets removed, ain't got fear oh come on Lord just like smashing them toes if that ain't enough for you though the mountains are carried away and thrown in the sea can you imagine an earthquake or a destruction so massive that the that the mountains just gone can you see the world freaking out then The Bible says you ain't even got to worry about that. Though the waters roar and be troubled. Say you're in this storm and the waters are raging. We've had the story of the disciples in the boat. We know that picture. Though the mountains shake with its swelling. No fear. Because God's sovereign. He has you an eye in his hand. If we're a child of God. So is your heart surrendered to him? Is he your Lord, or do you just know he's Lord? You know he's sovereign, but maybe he's not your Lord. You believe in his sovereignty, but is he your sovereignty? Because when he's yours, then you don't have to worry about anything. Trust him. So here, the, cons- the Psalmist considered the most frightening phenomenons imaginable. says lord's greater than them all (laughs) he's bigger than them all and if we fear somehow that robs god of his honor and his glory oh lord help us verse 4 alludes to this river here this river whose stream shall make glad the city of god what's the city of god jerusalem right it says the holy place of the tabernacle of the most high Talking about his temple in Jerusalem, alludes to a river, shall make glad the city of God. If you know anything about the geography and the terrain of Jerusalem, you know one thing. There's no river going through Jerusalem. So what the heck does this mean? Is the Bible wrong? No, what's it talking about? What's a river do for a city? It's provision, right? It's a place where trade can take place. It's a place of transportation. It's a natural resource. It's provision. What else does a river do if you look through scripture? It's an area, a place of peace, right? So get this picture Jerusalem has no river. So, in the midst of a place where you and I are at that may have none of that, God provides. God provides a river where there is no river for his provision for his people for his peace man don't you just love it when the Bible comes alive or am I just weird I'm the only one that I was like oh Lord come on teach me gosh I love God's word because it's applicable it applies to your life it'll help you grow it'll help you live it'll help you weather storms he makes a river where there is no river because that's his people that's his temple oh come on i'll just get excited by myself and say amen verse five and six says because of his presence she's more firmly set than the earth which may be moved because of his presence because he's there god's people god's city is more solid than what the earth, who we just learned about, can get all shook up. <laughs> Didn't we? Man, when I saw this and I learned this passage and I was looking and it was talking about earth being removed, mountains carried away, waters and mountains shake. And then later in the passage, it, it, it talks about the, the nation's raged and the kingdoms were moved. I started thinking about Hebrews chapter 12 turn with me to that let's read Hebrews chapter 12 really quick and I want to read to you verses 25 through 29 Hebrews chapter 12 verse 25 through 29 see that you that would be you and I do not refuse him that's God who speaks For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, that'd be Jesus. Much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Through his word. Oh, come on. Whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this. Yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain you ready for this what can't be shaken Lord Mm. therefore since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. When everything around you shakes, if you're anchored in God, in the truth of his word, You haven't refused his voice when he calls you to himself, when he puts things in your life and he puts his thumbs on things in your life that he wants to sanctify and remove to draw you away and further away from this world and closer to himself to set you apart for his glory. If you say yes to that, then you can be part of a kingdom that's not shaken. I want you to envision that if an earthquake was taking place right now, would we feel it physically? Yeah, why? Our feet's on the ground. But I want you to picture for just a minute, somehow I was suspended, elevated, and the earth was shaking. And y'all like, man, I can see y'all shaking. And y'all be like, oh, y'all be all running out of here. Oh, the walls be falling. And I'd be like, what? I'm not shaking. Why? Because I've lost contact with the world You want to be a part of a kingdom that's not shaken Disconnect and connect up there Verse eight and nine Just look at the works of the Lord. He breaks the bows. He breaks the spears in two. the chariots He sets on fire. That means hey no weapon formed to get you is gonna prosper right? What do you got to worry about? Even the ones that come against you with weapons, with harm, with evil. Can't touch this, right? Verse 10, I want to move us along. Popular verse that everybody takes out of context. 46 verse 10, be still, know that I'm God. Boy, that's all over everything. And you see people take it and just say, oh, that means to just get in a really quiet place and be still and pray and, and just, okay, that's good. Okay, that, 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 you can do that. that that's, that's wonderful. You should. We should. Okay? That's not what this is talking about. Okay? Let's get the context. If you look at this word, to be still, you look at it in the Hebrew, it's rapa. It means to slacken. To let down. All right? So now put in the picture of everything that this passage is talking about in context. What is it easy for us to do when all this stuff's going on? Fight. Get anxious. Somebody's coming at us with a bow and a spear and chariots. What do you want to do? I want to turn around and fight. God says, slacken, let your weapons down. What does that mean know that I am sovereign know that I'm the victor over every battle you face it doesn't mean just sit on your hands and do nothing as a Christian as a believer Moses with the Israelites remember when the Egyptians were coming before the Red Sea and they were frantic and they were fearful ah what do we do what do we do what do we do what do we do Moses said what say be still right for the Lord your God's gonna fight for you today so the people took that literally like we do this passage right here and they were just still they were just like what so God comes to Moses if you read that passage in that text and God's like why are the people just standing there tell them to start moving hey God's telling us today to his church to his people hey why are you just being still spiritually get moving Start marching toward that Red Sea, but God it's not parted yet. We'll drown He says I'll make a way I Need you to get moving first Before you see that thing part because anybody will walk toward it when it parts. I Need you to step out in faith and walk and trust it before your foot hits that water. I'm gonna make a way Did anybody else just get a message besides me? He's sovereign, so we see and know that if God is our reference point in his sovereignty, then we will be able to make sense out of life and its circumstances that so oftentimes make no sense. But if circumstances are our reference point, you and I will never be able to make sense out of life or God. I'm gonna say that again. If circumstances and the things going on in your life and around you are your reference point if that's all you see you're never gonna make sense out of your life or of God he's gonna be the little plane in the sky that means nothing where's your reference point is it backwards reverse it today right now God's speaking through his word So we gotta understand some things. First thing we gotta understand as we come to Christ, as we come to the Lord, is that salvation is through faith in Jesus alone. That's it. It's not Jesus plus something. It's not Jesus plus someone. It's not Jesus plus works. It's Jesus. That's salvation. It's through Him. He did the finished work on the cross at Calvary. So we come to Him and surrender all our heart, our life to him, and it's through Christ we are saved. Have you done that? That's the first thing you need to do. If you've done that, if he's Lord, second thing you need to understand and know is that he is sovereign over everything. Your life, the world, everything we've just talked about. Because if we don't understand his total sovereignty, we'll never understand life and the things around us or the things that happen to us. Let's look at an example. Ready for some handles on it? Let's bring this up. It's going to be a dude by the name of Joseph that I know you all know his story probably. And we know what happened to Joseph, and we don't have time to read all that and exegete that. We'll be here till Lord knows when. You can go back and read it in Genesis chapters 37 through 50 later, and I encourage you to do that and read that and look at that in application with everything we've learned here in Psalms 46. But in a nutshell, we'll get the Cliff Notes version. You ready? So we know Joseph. One of 12 brothers from Jacob, descendant of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, had 12 sons, would later become the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, right? Joseph, in there, brothers got jealous of him because of favor. Decided they wanted to plot against him, to kill him, to get rid of him. One brother, Reuben, said, well, man, I think that's a little tight. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't shed his blood. Let's uh, throw him in this thing right here, this cistern, this, this well, this dry. Throw him in. Boop. Then they see some Ishmaelites coming, and they're like, hey, I got an idea. Let's get this all off our hands, and, and, and let's sell this, this dude to them in slavery. We get some money, and he's gone out of our lives. Bet, that's a deal. So they, they do that. They sell to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites take Joseph to Egypt into Potiphar's house bible says that the lord was with joseph and, and potiphar gave him favor and that even though he was a servant a slave that he was a he was the top slave oh thank you lord i want to be a top slave how about you That don't sound like much of a great plan does it but he put in charge of all his household it was doing everything right and then because Joseph must've been a little swole man and, and like a good looking dude. Potiphar's wife comes up to him and is like, hey, honey, how about, uh, you know? Joseph said, uh-uh, uh-uh. What was the reason? He said, girl, cause you ugly. I don't wanna do with you, No, nah, I ain't what he said. She's probably fine. She's part of a rich household, you know what I'm saying? nobody ever seen a rich dude with an ugly wife. Come on. So it was probably flattering right so he's like no why can't I do it because I don't want to dishonor God oh a teenage boy with the hormones rolling oh Lord just excuse this one moment real quick Mm -mm. Nope, I'm honoring God even though I've been deserted by my family (laughs) sold into slavery and now tempted, I'm going to honor Jesus. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to honor His word. How about you? We know the story. He said, no, she got offended. Potiphar comes home and be like, "That dude right there, he tried to come on me and rape me. Lied. Anybody ever lied about you? <laughs> said some things that weren't true and got everybody to believe it and got you in trouble, or got people thinking bad things about you. Maybe I'm the only one. It ain't fair. He gets thrown into prison. The Bible said the Lord was with him. And then the guard of the prison puts him in charge of all the prisoners. Oh boy, we're in charge of the prisoners? Put that on your application. We know the story continues this cupbearer this butler and the baker were in prison and had dreams and couldn't interpret them and joseph said man is god interprets these things man let me me hear it so he heard the one from the cupbearer the butler and he said man that means you're going to be restored to your spot man in three days you're good so because that story was good the 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 cake maker there the baker he's like shoot try mine and joseph's like nah man you're gonna die (laughs) Oh, well, of course, it comes to pass. And and Joseph tells the cupbearer, tells the butler, say, hey, man, when you get up there, when you get out of here in three days, you go back up there to that dude, Pharaoh. Hey, man, put in a good word for me. I'm down here for no reason. Just, Just put in a good word. All right, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. They do it. Any friend ever made a promise to you that they didn't make good on? Any boss, any family member, Joseph's experience it all. His circumstances are wrong, baby. (laughs) The stuff going on around him doesn't make any sense to where God has called him to be. How about you? Story goes on now. Pharaoh's got a dream, right? Nobody can interpret it. And then our brother Dory, the cupbearer, remembers. Oh, yeah. There was this dude in prison. And you see Pharaoh like, what? You trying to bring me a dude up from prison and tell me? And all these people in my household can't tell me what I talk about. You going to bring some dude up in prison? Joseph comes up gets all cleaned up shave him get in front can you imagine this time this is your chance baby this is your this is your ticket this is your way out all right you're in front of the head dude that can set you free and all that kind of stuff Get you out of prison and, and you're gonna interpret his dream you know you got that that uh, that gift right you know you got that ability from the Lord so now is your time to use it for your own glory right to get yourself something out of something anybody with me Pharaoh says I heard you interpret dreams what's Joseph say yeah, man, that's me. I'm your man, man. I'm going to tell you what it is. Let me out here. Nope. What's the word say? I cannot do it, Pharaoh. But God can. Joseph didn't want any glory for himself. He was going to use the ability God's given him for his glory. Not for himself. Not so he could get rich. Not so he could go somewhere. So he interprets Pharaoh's dream. The seven years of abundance followed by the seven years of famine that would inflict Egypt. And therefore he told you we need a store during these seven years of abundance so that we can provide during the seven years of famine. And as it came to pass, we know. And then Pharaoh said, since you interpreted his dreams, I'm going to place you second in command. What just happened what just happened he ended up where god told him it was gonna be but everything he went through didn't look like the map joseph probably had in mind bring it down here to us what does god want to do with you in your life through your family through this church the circumstances you and i go through individually And as a church won't often make sense but we got to trust and know god's got us on a mission and he's going to use everything just like he did in joseph's story for his glory so joseph goes from the outhouse to the penthouse right he's up on the top now baby right can, can you see him when he's walking out of prison, getting his stuff out of prison and walking by Potiphar and his wife? Like. I mean, he had to a little bit. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he's going up the second command over Potiphar and everything, for goodness sakes. He got to have a little bit of like, see? <laughs> I am mean, right. come on. And I think of like George Jefferson, man. That theme song, you would be like moving on up, baby. You know what I'm saying? That's what God did and I just dated myself. You're like, who's George Jefferson? <laughs> Man, let's bring it in. I'm going somewhere with this. So many times in this passage when you read this story, you're going to see it said Joseph wept. There was real pain. This wasn't all fun and games and smile on my face the whole time while everything's going wrong around me. He wept. To a lot of this but he trusted God and honored him somehow some way and I'm sure that there was times he was in that prison and he was just like come on God why what man when what I'm, I'm sure we're not alluded to that but I mean he wept I'm sure there was some emotion but still in the midst of uncertainty and not understanding he trusted God and he honored God he didn't turn his back on him and God honored that heart and took him through Man, we got to speed through. I'm going to call up all kinds of time. Chapter 50 of this passage in Genesis of this story of Joseph. We know that we're getting to a point now where his father, Jacob, had passed away. And now the brothers are like, oh, no. Because in chapter 45, Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, let him know who they were. Because once they come back in those years of famine for food, they didn't know who he was initially. So he revealed himself. So they know who he is. Now, chapter 50, daddy's gone, and now they're scared. They'd be like, oh, he's the big dog. Maybe he won't do anything to us because daddy was alive. And now that daddy's gone, we're in trouble. So, what they do to like, oh, come on, Joseph, we're your servants. In chapter 50, right? Let's pick it up in verse 19 and 21. It says, Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, call him out. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Oh, come on, stop the bus. When people come against you, treat you bad, talk about you, say evil things, do things to tear you apart, what do you want to do? Isn't that what our flesh wants to do? But if the Spirit of God rules us, even though that may be a fleeting thought in our flesh, just being honest. Put my hands around her neck. No, Joseph blessed them. He said it, because God was sovereign over your hand. What you meant for evil, God used for good. He's looking at life through a different lens, church. How about you and me? Can we look at life through a different lens, through all the bad things that happen and to everything that's going on and to look for the real reference point and that's God and his sovereignty and know that no matter what's going on, that it's not the end. Joseph knew it wasn't the end. In fact, it was just the beginning. In fact, what he was basically saying is, in fact, fellas, thank you. Mm. You want revenge? You really want revenge in a God spirit way? God says, revenge is his, right? You want want God's revenge? Let God restore you and put you back together in front of the people that try to tear you apart. There's your revenge. Let Jesus, let God, the Spirit of the Lord, do his work. He's sovereign. You don't have to get back at anybody. So anything that happens to you as a child child of God must pass through his fingers first. Here's the truth. He has the power to stop it. He has the power to reverse it. He has the power to kill it. But if he doesn't do any of that, he's going to use it. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. He can stop it. He can reverse it, whatever you're facing. he can kill it. But if he doesn't, he's going to use it. He wants to use it. What are you going through right now that he wants to use for his glory? What is it? This phrase common in this story. We won't touch on Psalms ninety-one at all. I'm going to skip that because I know I'm horribly late in time. But there's a, a phrase common in this story that's spoken in Psalms ninety-one at the at the end of that passage and is also spoken at the end of psalms 46 where it says the lord of hosts is with us there's a common theme said numerous times throughout this situation in joseph's story where he was sold into slavery with potiphar says the lord was with him he was put in the prison after standing for the lord and being wrongly accused and said the lord is with him how many times are you and me have bad things happen to us and we don't feel like the lord's with us Now, let's get it clear. Sometimes bad things can happen to us because of dumb choices we make, right? Sometimes we can go through some stuff because of not walking with God, okay? But if you're walking with God and you know it, and your heart's right before Him, doesn't mean you're perfect, but your heart's surrendered and you're living by faith and you're trying to be sanctified and you're trying to stand for the Lord, just like Joseph did. Then you can rest assured that God's with you no matter what's happening to you right now. It may be some horrible things happening. There may be some horrible delays in where you know God wants to take you. But if you're standing and walking with Him, you can know that any delay is His delay and that any bad thing that happens, He is doing for a purpose and He's gonna use it. Can you and I trust Him? My heart just went in my throat because I'm speaking to me Church planting is not for the faint of heart We've been through some junk at impact church It's been easier to quit and question God At any moment But somehow he strengthens us and makes a way. When COVID hits, you get thrown out in the field for six months and there's no rain for six months. It rains every day but Sunday. 70 some inches of rain in one year, over double. Not one Sunday rained out. We're standing on a stage with a pool canopy over our head. Staying faithful to God's call to God. Gather and to meet and to preach his word and to give people hope at an uncertain time. To go through in the tents, and within six weeks, those tents get blown down, destroyed. God provides, puts up a bigger tent that six months before that we could not have afforded. But God doubled and tripled our church size during COVID in a field with no running water. Third world country church plant and stuff, baby, in Forest Virginia and then on top of all that and i don't have time to go through it all and now facing what we're knowing where we know god wants us to take us because we don't want a building that we just lock up and say see you next week we want to affect And build and grow disciples in our community we want to expose people to Jesus who are not in church and we're gonna have a sports complex over there on that 45 acres of property where we're gonna reach the lost people where we're gonna make disciples where we're a battleship church and I know where God's taking us but there has been opposition resistance delay like you wouldn't imagine and the whole time I'm going through this and I gotta preach and you see where this message hit me today. I gotcha. It's my church anyway, is what God said. You don't have nothing to worry about. What are you going through that's uncertain, that doesn't make sense? If we get stuck not understanding and trusting God's sovereignty, we'll live in doubt. We'll live in question. We'll live a life of comparison well other people ain't going through that struggle lord it'll make us bitter it'll make us angry and we'll live life mad god wants to break that down right now because he wants you to trust him he holds the universe in the palm of his hand isaiah 40 says right there See, he's big enough to hold it all but he's detailed enough to not miss a thing you trust him he loves you i love this genesis 45 i gotta read it real quick i don't i don't know how late i am y'all don't want to eat do you yeah, i gotta eat too i gotta read this genesis chapter 45 verses 4-6 through 6. joseph's gonna say a little something Genesis chapter 45 sorry verses 4 through 8 he's done revealed himself to his brothers let me read this just read this to you We don't have to exegete it we just want to read it because it's going to speak by itself and Joseph said to his brothers please come near to me so they came near then he said I am Joseph your brother whom you sold into Egypt but now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life For these two years the famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting and god sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance so now it was not you who sent me here but god and he has made me a father to pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of egypt it's not you who sent me here it's god do we have that kind of faith and trust and know no matter what question goes on that we can trust him we can trust him psalms 105 really points this out as we bring this completely to a close it's going to allude to everything we've just talked about here and i'm going to read a 16 verse 16 through 24 in psalms chapter 105 keeping us in psalms god's wonderful and is pointing exactly to everything we pointed out right here in this passage verses 16 through 24 of psalms 105. moreover he called for a famine in the land oh come on that's god we're gonna talk about it here in psalms the is gonna write about this ready he destroyed all the p- provision of bread he sent a man before them Joseph who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. That means he was in prison. He was laid in irons Bonded him put him in the cistern. Then he was in prison until the time that his word came to pass the word of the Lord tested him I'm gonna say that again because I need I need to read that again Until the time that his word came to pass the word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He Made him lord, over, lord of his house and ruler over all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his elders wisdom. Here's where it's coming full circle. This ain't just about Joseph. Israel also came to Egypt. Who's Israel? It's Jacob. It's his dad. Descended of who? Abraham. Father of many nations. God said that people would be in Egypt for 400 years. But I'm going to bring them out. I'm going to make you a great nation. Thus the 12 brothers of Israel. And the 12 tribes of Israel. To be a great nation. Oh, do you see God coming full circle with his promise? You see, what he took Joseph through wasn't just about Joseph and where he placed Joseph. It was about God and his promise. What He takes you and I through is not just about you and I it's about a bigger picture of his promise To reach people Israel's in egypt says and jacob dwelt in the land of ham He increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies When God's taking you through something and it doesn't make sense if you're walking with him it's a test it's a test tests are hard you have to be prepared for a test and so many times when we're in a test and it's hard and it's difficult in life and we question God and we feel like that God's nowhere and he's nowhere to be found and he's silent I'm gonna tell you what the teachers always silent during a test because he wants to see if your faith is real. That's what a test is. Somebody say real. Is your faith real? You don't want to just hear about it. It's easy to talk about it. It's easy to preach it. It's a whole lot harder to live it. He wants to see it. He wants to see it. Do you trust him? So when things are bad. Are you responding like he is good? Trusting. Here's the truth. We saw it through Joseph. If you're in a long test, that's because God's up to something big. That was a long test that he just went through some 12, 13 years of nothing but bad. But you know what? If you go into the deep waters, the really deep waters, they're tough, they're hard. But that's where the big fish are. And so many times through all this, man, I just prayed, I questioned, like, God, what are you doing? What's going on? Man, I know what you said. That's why I ran from you from two years and didn't plant the church, because I know this one's gonna be easy. See, I told you. What you doing? See, I was right. I should have kept running. uh uh-uh, uh-uh. Hold up, boy. What you complaining for? Look at what I'm doing in the midst of all of it. Yeah, it's hard. But I'm your refuge and your strength. I'm your provider. I'm sovereign. I mean, if you really want to Give it up. We can go back to the shallow waters, but the fish are a lot smaller. Is that where you want? I mean, anybody can go in the shallow waters and fish. You want to go back there, Brad? You want to go back there? No, Lord. No. Then let's go back out where it's deep, where you're going to need a captain to guide you, where I've got bigger plans in mind. You can go back to the shallow waters and make it easy, and you can preach a, you can preach a fluff gospel and sugarcoat and motivational speak. You could be the next Ray Lewis, man. You could just speak it all up. I could do it and never preach God's word and step on a toe, and I bet this place would be packed. we have to build an arena. Oh, I could do it. But if I'm going to preach this, it's going to step on some people's toes, and they're going to walk out the back door. You see, when we preach God's word, you're going to one of two things. You're either going to come to the altar or you're going to go out the door. That's what we're going to do. The waters are deep when you do that. What deep waters is the Lord leading you into? But He's got a bigger plan. So will you sit there, will you fuss, cuss and rebel? Or will you adhere, persevere and trust? So I take you back to that home run ball. Your view of God will determine your view of life or your view of life will determine your view of god which perspective do you have it's a test closing up there's something that fighter pilots do now called a flight simulator where they can train them for what's ahead And they get them in this digital combat simulator world it's called dcs where they put the goggles on the virtual reality goggles and they're in a cockpit seat and everything's like it's real and they feel like they're doing the real thing taxiing down the runway taking off flying combat you name it preparing them what is it it's a test to get them ready To be elevated in the air for a bigger cause and purpose. Are you and I in a flight simulator by chance right now for the Lord? Where God's taking us through some stuff. And he wants to prepare us because he wants to elevate us to a higher purpose and cause. but he can't elevate us if we don't want to take the test. And then pass it. Who is God to you? Is he sovereign? Can you trust him in the uncertain times? I think you saw a passage and an example from scripture to put some handles on it for you. And the answer is yes. That what the hand of man and our enemy may use against us and mean for evil God wants to use for good let's bow our head and close our eyes I just wonder if there's anybody here might say Brad I'm going through some stuff man and it's hard and it's uncertain and it's challenging and this word just spoke to me and i need you to pray for me i was just honest with you and i just basically told you a little bit and i raised my hand first so i wonder if there's anybody else with me that would say that this lord this word spoke to me and i need prayer would you raise your hand right now across this place i'm going to assume if your arm's not being raised it's probably broke because i know we're all going through some stuff Lord help us and strengthen us And ultimately before we leave here today, I just wonder if there's anybody here. You've never made Jesus Lord of your life You may believe he's Lord. You may believe he's sovereign, but have you made him your Lord and your sovereignty if not? Would you do that right now? I'm gonna ask you to do business with God pray a prayer from your heart to God's heart, but just know like we say every week it's not the words that save you it's your heart that you believe in are justified it's what romans 10 9 and 10 say says so will you give him your heart will you just surrender jesus paid it all he finished the work just surrender your life to his he's your refuge he's your strength he's your help in trouble would you surrender to him if you're here today you might say Brad, I've Previously surrendered my life to the Lord, but lately, man, I've deviated. I've walked away. I've I've been living a life of maybe fear, anxiety, just stressed out over circumstances and even questioning God and what he's doing and where he's at. And I've drifted in my faith and in my walk. And today I want to rededicate my life. I want to come running back. And I fall at the foot of the cross and I just surrender my life back to his authority and his sovereignty right now. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you to do business with God and pray that same prayer from your heart to God's heart right now. So to receive him for the first time or to rededicate your life, just say, Dear Lord. I admit to you that i am a sinner i have fallen short of your glory and i'm in need of you my savior there is no other thank you for sending lord your son jesus god in the flesh to the cross to pay a debt that wasn't his it was mine and his body was broken and his blood was shed that i could be forgiven so Lord right now I surrender my will to your will I give my life to you and under your authority that I could be forgiven renewed restored because of his gift and I thank you for raising from the grave three days later proving Jesus that you are God and that you're not just a man that you are God in the flesh and Lord I surrender to you and I ask for your victory over everything in my life that I'm facing. And my commitment to you, Lord, from this day forward is you have all of me, every single bit. And every step I take and every breath I make is for your glory from this point forward. Amen, if that's you, if you prayed that, your heart prayed that, you did business with God for the first time or you rededicated your life boldly and unashamed, would you raise your hand said, Brad, I prayed that prayer. I meant business with God right here today, and I'm not ashamed. Amen. If I don't see you, God does. Amen. Impact Church. As people are still doing business with the Lord, can we just give him a round of applause and praise him for who he is and for his word? I think the Lord said enough today. I'm not going to say anymore. Let's just take this word. Let's meditate on it. Let's use it. Let's go make an impact for Jesus, and let's trust him in the uncertain times because he's sovereign. He is. Grab somebody. Bring them to church next Sunday. We'll see you next week.
0: Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work, and we would love for you to be a part of it. Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area, please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ.